Hello, good morning. It's Friday, the 11th of February, 2020, and this is episode 134, uh, I think. I'm losing count here. Uh, in any event, before we get started, just a friendly reminder that if you're a fan of this podcast, please don't forget to leave me five stars on Apple Podcasts. It's thanks to listeners like you that I've managed to maintain a solid 5.0, so that is pretty awesome. Um, what else? If you missed last week's episode, uh, do check it out. You can either listen to it or for the first time ever, you can also watch it. Yeah, it's the first ever video podcast. I uh, did an episode about the cruise origin reveal party to which I'd been invited several weeks ago in San Francisco. I got a lot of great video footage of that. You can check it out. Just head on over to YouTube, do a search for Mark Hogue or Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue. You'll find my channel. And please, while you're there, make sure to subscribe. I just need three more subscribers to get my own custom YouTube URL. So thank you very much for that indeed. Meanwhile, please be sure to follow me on all social media at Autonomous Hogue. And of course, if you are in the AV and mobility space, an OEM, a supplier, a technology company, investor, construction company, anybody just trying to kind of future-proof for this coming era of AVs, don't forget to check out our new website at hogueandco.com and to follow us on all social media at Co. That's H-O-A-G-A-N-D. C-O. Right, well then, today, more hearings in Washington, D.C. on the future of self-driving regulation. GM is going to spend over $2 billion on electric AVs. And, well, the first self-driving car company wins federal safety approval. And it's a big deal for an admittedly rather small package. All this, right now. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right. So to kick things off today, then uh, let's talk a bit about the hearing going on in D.C. today. Uh, apparently, there is a discussion on the need for legislation to require manufacturers of semi and fully autonomous vehicles to demonstrably validate that their vehicles are at least as safe as human driven vehicles. Now, at first blush, this sounds perhaps a bit of a low standard. After all, don't we always joke that human driven cars are so unsafe? You know, remember the stats, of course, here in the US, something like 40,000 deaths caused by uh, vehicular accidents, 94% of which are caused by human error. So this just doesn't sound like a very high standard. And look, depending on your point of view, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Obviously, it's a very tricky thing as a awful as human drivers are, we're still certainly doing okay, depending on your point of view. And frankly, there's no autonomous car that can yet drive as competently as as a human. And even then, are we talking about the best human driver or the worst? Well, there's no autonomous car that can even drive as well as the worst human driver in all conditions. Um, that said, what really it's going to come down to is making sure that we're looking at and comparing, in fact, precisely the right data points. And crucially, that we don't try to 
uh, to look for the results that we want. As many of you likely know, data is a very tricky thing. And if you don't, first of all, formulate the correct hypothesis, and second of all, that you don't analyze the data correctly, you could end up with very, very misleading results. Um, so so in any event, though, um, look, I, I think it's a really, huh, obviously, you know my thoughts on this, that I've been talking about and indeed writing about and podcasting about for a long time, the need for eventually to have an FAVA, a Federal Autonomous Vehicle Administration. I think this is absolutely where things need to be headed. And again, my analogy, of course, is aviation. I'm not going to get into all this again because you've heard me say this countless times in the past, I'm sure. But 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 importantly, I think what's what's really important is that we kind of phase this in, right? And so this is why I've said that level one, two, and three vehicle deployment and you know testing and deployment should be in the hands of the states, of course. But once you cross over into level four and certainly level five, then it needs to be a federal thing because now you've got things that are indeed crossing state lines. They effectively involve a thing which is not a human driving it. And so in that regard, they are really no different to aircraft. And so at the very least, it's easy to trigger the Interstate Commerce Clause. There's just so many easy ways to loop in federal regulation. I don't think it's a difficult argument. What is tricky is to make sure we get this regulation passed relatively quickly. My concern, as I've said many times before, is that we're not going to, you know, if we don't have the necessary frameworks in place soon enough, then what's going to happen is we're going to have the deployments start to occur and then all sorts of legal issues arising and, well, nobody's going to know what to do because we didn't have any standards in place. Now, when we talk about standards, okay, so again, this hearing is all about establishing presumably human-driven competency as a standard or at least a proxy for sufficiently safe enough. Again, it's a bit paradoxical to use human safety as that standard, as that baseline, since the whole premise, the whole promise of autonomous vehicles, that they will be, in fact, far safer than human-driven cars. But nevertheless, it's a place to start. But as I've said, the standards need to be and to demand much more. Besides, again, we don't even have standards in place for the technology itself. So whether on one side or the other of the LIDAR camp, and let's face it, if you're not Elon or Tesla, then you are decidedly on the other side, that in fact, you do need LIDAR. Remember, Elon and Tesla being really the only manufacturers of semi and eventually future fully autonomous cars not to believe in LIDAR. The fact is, look, at the end of the day, who really cares, right? And that's the point of standards. What really matters is, can you demonstrably verify, can you validate with data that your technology is sufficiently good? Does it meet a standard. You know, I don't really care whether whether you're talking about LiDAR, computer vision cameras, or lollipops. As long as the technology in place works, as long as it accomplishes what it sets out to do, as long as that standard of safety is satisfied, who cares what the tech is? The problem is we don't have any way to validate an existing set of technology. We have no way to verify whether a thing is good enough. We don't even know what good enough is. We don't even have definitions to say, yeah, this is good enough. Anything below that isn't. And that's weird because again, remember we have such standards for things like braking distances and even fuel economy and headlight brightness and angle and intensity and diffusion and dispersion. And heck, we can't even have here in the US anyway, we can't even have uh, Audi's, uh, what do they call it? Um, Matrix headlight technology. For those of you who don't know what this is, it's pretty cool. Uh, basically, there's little 
Hmm, let me try my best to explain it. Um, in the headlights of certain Audi vehicles, they've got these little mirrors, uh, which can effectively picture them as sort of pixel sized mirrors of sorts. So they can effectively block out or alternatively allow the light to pass from the headlights into really any shape or dispersion pattern that is desired. And that desired pattern is based on cameras looking forward to see what's in front of the car. You know, if there's a lot of cars in the way, the Audi can exactly block out. It can occlude the light so that it actually tracks and follows the oncoming car so that everything around that oncoming car is brightly illuminated, as if with your high beams, for instance, but but then that car itself is perfectly blocked out so as not to blind them. So this is a brilliant technology. Audi also have, just to continue picking on them, they seem to be really infatuated with cool lighting technology. They have these sequential turn signal indicators, which, yeah, okay, we kind of get that in the States, but if you've paid attention, they are paired with non-sequential turn indicators. That is, they are paired with a non-animated version because in the U.S. you can't have animated sequential turn indicators. They There has to be a binary on-off indicator as well. So anyway, this is all just kind of a roundabout way of demonstrating that we have standards. We have requirements for all these things. It's mind-boggling that we don't have this yet for AV tech. Except that it isn't super mind-boggling when you consider the fact that, of course, we can't have those standards yet. We haven't even established them. You have to, first of all, establish the baseline before you mandate any sort of legislation to to meet or exceed that standard, right? And so my whole point is that, at a minimum, we need to, first of all, get those baselines established. So anything that goes in that direction, and hopefully this hearing today is yet another small step in that direction. Well, anything that goes in that direction is, in my opinion, uh, a very necessary and indeed a very good step. Look, I don't have much more to share on this. Again, if you want to hear more of my thoughts on this proposed FAVA of mine, just look through my prior podcast episodes. It's somewhere in there. I've done a full episode on just that. Also, I've written about it. If you go to Medium, you can do a search for, well, for me, Autonomous Hogue. Uh, You can find an article I sort of outlined that proposal for an FAVA. But anyway, I will come back with more as we have it. Uh, I'm not going to be holding my breath, though, because obviously, yeah, DC, not exactly known for moving all that quickly. Right, so next up, we've got a discussion here on GM, uh, apparently going to be spending $2.2 billion to build an electric and autonomous vehicle plant in Detroit. Um, this, of course, follows on the news just a few weeks ago when Cruise announced and launched their Cruise Origin fully autonomous pod car in San Francisco. Again, if you haven't seen that video of mine, go to YouTube, search Mark Hogue or Autonomous Hogue, you'll see the video podcast I did when I attended that event. Um, <clears throat> look, this news, uh, on the contrary, didn't surprise me at all. It just made me very happy because it's a thing that I've been saying forever, right? That henceforth, every car maker must be pursuing and actively developing autonomous shared electric vehicles. And I've said that any company not doing that will be dead or dying within the next five to 10 years, depending simply on how much they've got in reserves. Look, this then is, as I say, not a surprising result. Um, I'm really thrilled to hear about this GM. I've been saying for a while now, are really on their way, I think, to, if they play their cards right, really 
you know, really taking the lead or at least hanging in there in the lead with whomever else might be up there with them. Look, whether it's Tesla, whether it's Ford, whether it's Rivian. Um, although I should say, I haven't really heard all that much from Rivian with respect to their AV initiatives. By the way, if anybody at Rivian is listening or if anybody knows anybody at Rivian, Guys, I would love to uh, chat with you about this. I'm a huge fan of what you're doing. As mentioned last week, if you haven't heard, Rivian have just announced they're going to be effectively licensing, for lack of a better word, uh, their their EV platform to other manufacturers. Uh, one, the first of which announced, I guess, will be Ford's Lincoln uh, brand for an upcoming Lincoln electric vehicle. This is brilliant. Um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Going back to GM, though, with respect to this $2.2 billion plan, I mean, this is great. Let me just read off a few stats here, because in addition to what GM are doing with Cruise's upcoming origin, the idea is that this new facility is going to be involved in the production of all forthcoming fully electric SUVs and pickup trucks. And again, think about that. That's a really big deal. Fully electric SUVs and pickups. This is tremendous. We're not just talking about run-of-the-mill kind of plug-in or hybrid vehicles. We're talking about full-on battery electric SUVs and pickups. This is the the bread and butter of the U.S. For those of you outside the U.S. not listening, you may have heard this, but just to confirm what you've heard, look, SUVs and pickups are the number one selling vehicles in the U.S. So for an American-made, Detroit-based largest automobile company to be doing this, to be building all electric SUVs and pickups is huge. And again, just looking at Rivian for a moment, this is why I'm so thrilled with Rivian because they're based in Detroit also. And I think this then gives them a certain emotional, shall we say, cachet or gravitas. This is a really big deal. Um, Let's talk a bit about GM's AV initiatives, right? So It's something we've not talked too much about because I have kind of mixed feelings about it. GM's Super Cruise, it's been recently announced with respect to the new upcoming 2021 um, Cadillac Escalade. Cadillac, of course, uh, built by GM. Um, Cadillac, effectively the upmarket brand. Uh, Cadillac Escalade will bring over the Super Cruise that first debuted on the Cadillac, uh, what was it called? The XT6, I believe. So Super Cruise is actually a pretty good bit of kit when you are where it can work, meaning what they do is they've got a whole bunch of onboard sensors and cameras and so forth, of course, but crucially, they've got a super detailed, as they say, HD map, which means that as long as the car is driving in areas which are covered by the map, then it effectively offers fully hands-off driving, although the driver still has to remain attentive and so on and so forth. But what this means then is that on the freeway, for instance, it does a really good job. I've not had a chance to test drive one, but this is what I've heard. This is what I've read. I'm a little concerned that it's so bound by the map. It is entirely reliant on the map. I think that optimally going forward, the map should be a complement to a proper semi or fully self-driving uh, suite of technology. And indeed, ultimately, eventually, in fact, a map shouldn't really be required at all um, if the car is sufficiently competent. So is GM's... Super Cruise initiative, awesome, yeah. Is it good enough? Um, I don't know. I, I think it's a perfectly fine first step. I'm not, I'd like to try it first. Uh, but in any case, uh, that's kind of what's happening with GM. I'm really quite thrilled indeed. And uh, as I get more information, I will share it with you. So there's a company called Neuro. Well, they've just released 
an adorable little delivery vehicle named, wait for it, R2. Because, of course. Um, so it's a big deal because uh, scheduled to begin testing soon in Houston, Nero just became the first ever autonomous vehicle company to win federal safety approval, in this case, for their plucky little grocery delivery robot. It's a really small little thing. Um, and, you know, it's got some really strict requirements. Like, for instance, it can't go more than 25 miles per hour. It can presumably, although I haven't yet confirmed this, be driven only on certain roads here and there. Um, but look, it's a great first step. And it effectively means that, well, we're going to have the first autonomous vehicle delivery thing driving about, in this case, the streets of, of Houston, Texas. Um, and so the idea is that specifically for this first deployment, um, customers are going to be able to order items from Domino's Pizza, Kroger, or from Walmart. And this little delivery bot car thing will then drive around to the designated pickup spot. A customer will then walk over, enter a code, unlock the door, and then take their pizza or shopping or whatever. Um, so look, it's a great first step. As I say, I mean, th- this is really awesome. I'm really curious to learn more insofar as, like I said, what roads and lanes it can drive on. Um, I'd be really curious to see how this interacts with pedestrians and other cars. Um, so I'm pretty excited to learn more about this and, uh, you know, I'd love to check it out sometime. So yeah, this should be pretty interesting. Uh, I will share with you more as it comes my way. All right. Well, that is a wrap for today. Thank you so much for listening until next time. That'll be on Friday, hopefully, although perhaps not because I'm going away with my wife for a Valentine's getaway, but I'll do my best. Have a wonderful rest of the week. Bye-bye.